You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leaders like Workers Credit Union. Achieve your dreams the workers way. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Kat Deal from the North Central Massachusetts Chamber. And Kat, where are we today and who are we chatting with? Well, today we're at the Arc of Opportunity in North Central Mass and we are with Mary Hafey and she's the president and CEO here. And Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. I have been you know, lucky enough to speak with you several times. You were actually one of my first women's leadership speakers, and I got to hear about all the work you do. So I know you have an amazing past, and amazing history. So thank you for, so much for also letting us here to be in the ARC today. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for inviting me in. We always love people coming into the ARC. Well, we're happy to be here and we're happy to be chatting with you. And let's start off. I know Kat just teased a little bit about your background in the nonprofit world, but how long have you been here at the ARC of Opportunity? August is my anniversary month. Oh. So 14 years uh, this month. Wow. And it has flown. It has absolutely flown by. And I, I still come every day feeling like there's more to do. That's why you do such a good job of what you do, because you're always looking for the next thing to do. Mm. And you've made a lot of changes here in the last 14 years. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but before coming to the ARC, you actually have a very long history in the nonprofit realm and in healthcare. Right. Can you talk a little bit about your past and what led you here to the ARC? Sure. I have always worked in nonprofit. Uh, I grew up in a family where understanding that you needed to serve the community in some way was part of what I knew. Um, Kat, you know I'm a lifetime Girl Scout, and that reinforced that as well. It's also where I learned phenomenal leadership skills. So I worked with people with economic disadvantages and mental health issues for many, many years, getting jobs, helping people be part of the community. Uh, in ways other than I'm a person with a disability. Uh, and so that, the old days, it was the CETA program, and we did skills training and job placement and helped people really transform their lives by having a paycheck, by knowing what to do with that paycheck. Uh, and so I probably did that for the first 25 years of my career. Obviously, I went from being a vocational counselor to more leadership roles, and um, when my youngest graduated from high school, we had built a house on the side of Mount Mananuk, and the time was to move there. But it also meant not working in Boston and Cambridge anymore, living in the <laughs> wilderness, and uh, finding a job. So I worked for another chapter of the ARC in western Massachusetts, 100 miles round trip every day. Wow. So Fitchburg seemed like it was in my backyard, uh, and loved that and across my desk came an email saying, CEO opening, and the rest is history. Well, that's a great way for you to have gotten here because much of what you do is helping people find fulfillment and work and, and, and the way that the programs work here as well. That's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, you know, we really believe that having a disability is just one more facet of who somebody is. I have little or no hearing, I have a disability. That's not the first thing I tell you when I'm introducing myself. There are many other things that are part of me. The folks we work with have as many strengths and facets to them as I do. And it isn't just they're a person with a disability. We focus on abilities. What can somebody do? And how can they be part of their community? And for you, what's it like to be able to help other folks understand that these folks with disabilities 
have so many great abilities, as you're mentioning. What's it like to be able to help convey that and help really change the perception here in North Central Mass? It really is changing the perception because many people grew up with a, oh, a person with a disability is the other. You know, as we think more about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, I think that's actually helped because disability is one aspect of diversity. And recognizing that we make better decisions as a community when all voices are heard, and that includes the lived and learned experiences of people with disabilities. So there's a light bulb moment when people recognize that. And also, and the statistics are pretty high. The number of people who are either born with a disability or will acquire a disability over the course of their lifetime means that most people know someone with a disability. And they know, they've seen them be othered. They've seen uh, going to a, a doctor's office and having the questions addressed not to the patient, mm -hmm. but to their supporter. Uh, and recognizing that we all have a responsibility to help people understand people are people, you know? And it isn't that some disabilities mean I'm always happy. That's a real stereotype. The range of emotions, the range of experiences, the range of goals is typical of the population at large. And, and I think helping people discover that, get to know one person with a disability and you've met one person with a disability. Get to know the person. You know, for a number of years, pre-COVID, and hopefully now post-COVID, we had a fun event, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And the way we described it, it was low-key. You came if you were a crazy Red Sox fan. <laughs> that was the commonality. It didn't matter that you were a crazy Red Sox fan with a disability or without. The shared, the bond, was being a crazy Red Sox fan. We did let those... Yankee fans come in too. But, um, you know, and those experiences, do something with the person with a disability, see them as a person first. We have one of our homes, um, the next door neighbor is an avid gardener. And when we built this new home, she invited the five residents of the home, if they wanted to, to come over and work in her garden and help her and plant some things and take some produce with them. It built a relationship. It expanded. So yes, people are still going over to her garden, but she's also helped set up gardening boxes at that home. They discovered as neighbors a shared interest. And our homes actually all have um, uh, rooms. So if there's ever a tornado warning or something, they will be standing after hurricane force winds. And we say to our neighbors, listen, in an emergency, come here, come to us. We're neighbors, we have to help each other. That's how we change the world. I agree, and and I love the fact that you're talking about some of the expanded services. Many of our listeners have either A, never heard of the arc of opportunity before, right. and definitely probably don't know all the all of what is offered. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about to some of the services? I, I, I mean, we're inside the building today, right. but this is just one of the many yes. places that services are given. And, and some days this building feels like it's a bus depot because we're out in the community far more than we're in a building. Um, so the ARC is an organization that people may be surprised to know was founded in 1952. And if you were a family who gave birth to a child with a disability, the common advice was, I'm sorry, dear, put that one in an institution. Forget about them. Have another one. Yeah. 
no criticism whatsoever of families who followed that advice because it was standard medical advice. And quite frankly, our communities weren't ready to welcome a child with such complexity. But these families got together and said there has to be a better way. And the better way at the beginning became just support each other. So like any family with kids, none of us do it alone. I, you know, I remember the conversations that I'd have on the soccer lines um, during practice about how are you dealing with that teacher or that teacher? Um, and, you know, at uh, coffee hour at church, you talk to other families and they become part of your circle, part of your village. If you gave birth to a child with a disability, you didn't have a village because no one was out and about in the communities. So these families formed, and at first it was purely to support one another. That's work we still do today, families supporting each other. But as the world changed, as people with Down syndrome, for example, who often died young because of a heart defect, the medical community developed a protocol at the beginning said, why would we fix those kids? We advocated and changed that so they were no longer dying at young ages and made it to adulthood and beyond. And so the family said, ah, they should be able to go to school and have jobs. And and thus our services expanded. And before I tell you them today, I want to say, if you know a child who has a special ed plan or has received early intervention, thank the ARC. Because the ARC in Massachusetts, those first families were incredible. And they advocated, why can't my child go to school? Why can't my child go to school? And finally, and it was the Lemonster school system first that said, and we jokingly say, probably to shut this person, this parent up, (laughs) fine, she can go to school like her sister. And of course, the kids were in a basement classroom. Families celebrated that because at least they were going to school, some at ages 12 and 14 for the first time. And then those families said, wow, what if they ever got services earlier? And they created early intervention. Now, there are 18 chapters of the ARC in Massachusetts. And although this was an organic movement across the country, they found each other, formed a state entity. And Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 766, is the special education law that became the federal, the prototype for the federal law. Same thing with early intervention. Thank a chapter of the ARC. It really made a difference. So we do what we would call cradle to grave services. We may get that first call saying, I have a prenatal diagnosis. I'm going to have a child with Down syndrome. Is my life over? No. And we can help you make connections. Um, Our chapter doesn't do a lot with young children. We tend to start with the kids when they're transitioning from high school into adulthood. But at that point, um, we do day programming, including uh, employment. Told you my first love was employment. That's how people have an identity. All sorts of day programs, including um, OT, PT, speech and language, and a whole array of um, residential programs. So we support people with disabilities who live in their own apartment, quite capably. They may get two hours a week of support, up to 10, uh, but they're members of the community. The next least restrictive, and and least restrictive is our goal, is what we call adult foster care or adult family care. And we're always looking for people interested in that. It could be a community member who says, maybe I'm an empty nester, maybe I'm a single professional. 
I could consider having somebody live in my home or apartment with me. They get a tax-free stipend. And so it's one person with a disability living amidst a family or maybe a couple or a single person being part of their lives. They probably come off to a day program or have a job. And then the most intensive is 24-7 services. And that's for people who honestly need that level of support. They need medical care. They need behavioral supports. Or um, they have an acquired brain injury. Quite frankly, it could be any one of the three of us, let us hope not, a major stroke, Mm -hmm. an automobile accident. Mm -hmm. And so that's been what we've done in more recent years. Got people stuck in nursing homes, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds. They don't belong with the life in a nursing home. Nursing homes have a place in people's lives at some point in time, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But we've gotten them into a group home of four or five people with staff who support them, but it's their home and they're members of a neighborhood. It's an amazing amount of wraparound services being offered. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't mention family support and recreation. Family support are our roots. Um, There's little funding or no funding um, for family supports. But it's those first phone calls. It's support groups. It's what do I do when my adolescence hormones start raging? (laughs) And and how do I handle that? Um, It's respite because we offer a Saturday recreation program where people come, get out in the community, have a great time, and quite frankly, their family may get a break. I'm, there's lots of joy to supporting a person with a disability, and it's not always easy. Yeah. So we need to recognize that families sometimes need a break. Absolutely. And I think it's so amazing, too, that you focus so much on the adult side of things because I know it's got to be a big concern. You know, I've got a two-year-old at home, and I often wonder, what happens when, when I get too old and what happens yes. when I'm gone? Who's going to look after yes. him? And I can only imagine that if you add, you know, another layer of a disability or complexity like that, a health challenge, different things. That sure. I can't imagine how much that worry must be amplified for these families. Absolutely. And helping families think that through. There's also that critical point between um, high school when they're a minor. So, of course, the parents are responsible. Should I become their guardian? Well, that's a complex question, and we love having that conversation with families. Guardianship takes some autonomy away from people. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily need a full guardianship. There's another concept called shared decision-making, and that is a legal status that the person can have as much, the person with a disability can have as much independence as they can, but they've identified supporters who will help them make some crucial decisions. It's far less restrictive than a full guardianship. And sometimes if you're the guardian, you can't take advantage of some other support. So talk to us early. Uh, We'd love having that conversation. Yeah, come get the advice. Yeah. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but we'll be right back right here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. The business world is more competitive than ever and running a business has never been more challenging. The North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce is here to help with trusted resources, a strong business network, and a support system to keep your business and North Central Massachusetts moving forward. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. 
Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, and Cat Deal continuing our On the Road series in downtown Fitchburg today at 564 Main Street at the Arc of Opportunity. We're chatting with their president and CEO, Mary Hafey. And Mary, as we were setting up, you brought out a number, which I think is important for our mm-hmm. listeners to hear about the number of individuals who participate in at least one aspect of your right. programs. They might be involved in multiple aspects, yes. but at least they're at least involved in at least one. Can you tell us about how many folks? Sure are impacted. Travis, I often joke saying, well, which number do you want? (laughs) Uh, Roughly 400 is the number of individual unique people who receive at least one support from us. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned before we started recording, people can get three and four services from us, supports from us, and that will ebb and flow over time. So multiply that and you can see the impact we have. We also are a very large employer, so we have economic impact on the community, too. You do. And um, you were talking earlier about some of the family support and some of the programming, and none of that comes free. And I am really lucky to be my second year on the Arc of Opportunities auction And we are lucky about that, too. (laughs) And uh, I know last year we celebrated the 70th, which was a really big one. Um, And this year... The theme is even nice. It's I, I am really pleased with the theme we've chosen this year, and I'm really excited about it. The auction is coming up in just two months. Yeah. Um, could you tell our listeners about that? So the auction is scheduled for October 13th. And Kat, thanks for acknowledging the fact that, yeah, we get state funding for many of the services, but not very many related to our families. Yeah. So the supports we provide to families that I described earlier, we need to fundraise every single penny for. And um, that is what the purpose of the auction is. We solicit sponsorships and donations. We hope people will come. It's honestly a fun event. And you cannot leave that evening without realizing that the generous bidding that you did is making a difference in people's lives in our community in significant ways. Mm-hmm. And it is inspire as I'm saying it, putting chills through me even to tell you that. And I've been telling this story for a long time, but it still inspires me to realize the generosity of the North Central and beyond community is really what has kept our family supports, including recreation as a family support, alive. Families, uh, most of the families, many of the families we support um, would qualify as low income. And so the cost of going to a Saturday recreation program may be more than they can afford. We have scholarships. It underwrites that. Uh, And we'll invite people to fund a need at it. Um, And last year we had a $1,000 donation and to down to $70 donations for our 70th anniversary. We need that support from the community. And we would love, uh, you know, we've been at 50,000 in cleared profits. We keep it to be an inexpensive event. It's at Great Wolf Lodge, who are terrific partners of ours. Uh, and we, again, have many, many supporters in the community and some fun things. Yes, we do. Most of us don't need more stuff in our houses. So we've been emphasizing more experiences. So is it a hot air balloon ride? That was really popular, if you remember, last year. It was. Um, and uh, Tess, our development director, has done a great job 
we're imagining that there's a bundle of sort of staycation things for younger family and experiences in Salem around Halloween for others. So lots of experiences. You'll surely find something that will inspire you to bid high. It's not it's not meant to be come and get the most the greatest bargain you can. Correct. We are asking you to come and be generous, knowing the mission of the ARC is really to support people with disabilities and their families to enhance the quality of their lives and to achieve their goals. And I will put a call out to our communities that we are still accepting items for our raffle. So you can contact me at the chamber. I'm happy to come by and pick that up. Um, The baskets can be anything that you like. We've had baskets from gardening to wine, which always go really well, um, to all different types of things, including experiences and hair salons and our many generous, the massages. I mean, our community is very generous and I just want to put the call out. If you are looking to be involved and you want to donate something for our auction, please reach out. I'm more than happy to come and pick it up. And the auction again is on October 13th and it is a Great Wolf Lodge. And what time is that going to be held? It starts at six o'clock and we go till we go till 10. Yeah. Yep. And I know we're talking right now about the auction and getting involved there, but one of the neat things when you come into the Ark of Opportunity, when you come into the lobby, you see a wall filled with uh, names yes. from all around the community. So people, we want them to be involved in the auction, but they can also get involved all year long at Absolutely. different levels. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the sponsorships and, and other ways people can help out yeah. if they can't make the auction for whatever reason? Absolutely. One of the things that's been fun this year is uh, the United Way asked us to propose some projects that work teams may want to volunteer for that were outside of the day of caring. Certainly we have others for the day of caring. And so it was everything from, are you a cook, a chef? Could you come into our teaching kitchen and do a series of easy meals that are Clients who live in their own homes or in a group home could prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, can somebody come and do a tie-dyeing day? The question really is, Travis, what do you love? Mm. Do you love yoga? Do you love um, Zumba? What do you love that you would be willing to share? Photography, how to take great photos. So there are things like that. The nominating committee of the board right now is um, meeting this Friday to fill some vacancies uh, for our next year, which will, our board year starts in September. The board is an amazing group of people. And one of our, the ARC has spent a lot of time focusing on our mission. Think back to the origins. The people with disabilities were underrepresented and underserved, unseen in our communities. Now, today, we know that there are still parts of our community that are underrepresented and underserved. And when we looked at that, we found ourselves saying, but that was our roots. We've strayed. And so we're really focusing on how do we outreach to communities that are not presently at the ARC. We focused a whole lot on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. If you look at our board and at our staff, the diversity reflects the community that we live in and the people we support, and that's critical. It's gone from a few years ago to having an executive staff that was, quite frankly, all white, Mm -hmm. um, to a very diverse staff at all levels of the organization. So 
Serving on the board, we are continuing to look for specific skills and people who represent our community and people who represent, it'd be lovely to have a threefer, you know, mm-hmm. um, a family member with a disability. So that's work. The auction committee is obviously work. So if you have a passion that you're willing to share with us, let us know. We have a human rights committee that actually has a makeup that's required by regulation to have a medical provider, to have a nurse, to have a mental health provider, to have family members, to have program participants. There's opportunity if you have one of those professional backgrounds to do work once a month looking at assuring that when we put any plans together, no one's human rights are violated. And that has to be examined constantly. I think we're really good at it, but you know, an outside group who cares about the ARC, whose function that is, it makes a tremendous difference. So you could be involved five days a week, a day a month, and anything in between. Now, Mary, I know we spend a great deal of time talking about the families and, and what it's like to have these support services, but let's focus more on the you know, the people that participate in your program yeah. who benefit, um, who receive these services and participate in your programs. What are the biggest changes you notice from when they come in here the first time and start receiving those supports to maybe then they're going out and holding down a job? What's, what's that transformation like? Confidence. Mm. Courage. If you walk through here, if when we're done, you say, can I walk around with you? You will have very confident, caring program participants come up to you, introduce themselves, want to make you feel comfortable. That transfers into the work world. Now, we do also do um, job placement, as I mentioned. We do some subcontract work. So we may take a small group of people out to work at a job where they still have a job coach with them all the time. That's the opportunity to bring those confidence skills out into the community, making a difference in people's perception about folks with disabilities. It's interesting. You know, we did a workforce study here at the chamber, and one of the things that it came up was talking about individuals who generally have lower labor force participation rates. And one of the oh. one of the avenues that yeah. was examined was you really need to look at folks that have a disability and, and saying, how can we bring them into the workforce and, mm-hmm. and do exactly what you're doing? And, you know, there's tax credits if you need an added incentive. And there's also a challenge right now, and it's uh, legislatively on a federal basis. Many of our folks receive social security benefits of some sort. Do you know that if you are a recipient, there is a cap to what you can have in assets that has not been changed for many decades. We're Mm. talking 1970s. Oh, my gosh. So you can't have more than $2,000 in assets. Think of the even minimum wage in Massachusetts and do the math. Mm -hmm. A person with a disability who's fully capable of working 40 hours a week uh, and would like to will exceed the amount of resource financial that they can have and therefore end up saying, well, I can only work 10 hours a week. If you are a 10-hour week employee, you're not integrated in the same way that a 30 or 40-hour week employee is. That's a federal issue. So having people talk to their legislators about Changing that is an incredibly important thing to do. Um, you know, we do, we do not advocate candidates. We advocate around issues. Uh, we would violate our nonprofit status <laughs> otherwise. 
And there are some really critical issues going on right now. And, and to get back to the program participants, we have some who have not yet returned post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, COVID did to our workforce what it did to so many other workforces. The stressors of a family not knowing, are the kids in school? Are they not in school? How does my five-year-old do all their lessons when I'm working? Uh, and a lot of staff, I'd say probably 25% of our staff withdrew from the workforce. They are re-entering, others are joining us, but it's meant that we could not bring all the day program participants back and we have wait lists at this point in time. That's a critical issue and part of the problem is, and I don't wanna to get too granular, but the we are talking about supporting the most vulnerable people in our society. Mm-hmm. And a state allocates to be divided over several tiers of employees. That's not a living wage, and it's really hard for a family to be able to accept employment at that level. Now, the arc of opportunity, we are frugal. Uh, So if you're participating in our fundraising, know we use every penny really well. But this year, we have done, our board said, you have to get the entry wage to $20 an hour. And For the first time, we put forth a deficit budget in order to pay our staff $20 an hour, so long as they get their MAP certification, medication administration, $19 otherwise. That's more than we're being funded to pay. So there's a dilemma in that. But if we couldn't do that, we couldn't bring people back. And to know that we're financially responsible, we actually did identify one-time sources of funding that would make up that deficit. And we need to fix it by next year. Mm -hmm. So the ARC sends out legislative updates. Um, I hope people might like us on Facebook. You'll see them there. Or get our e-newsletter. You'll see them there. And often it's the kind of thing where you can add your own sentence or two, but you also can just fill in the form and send it off. And right now the biggie is our direct service professionals, that's probably 75% of our staff, Their salary is determined through the Bureau of Labor Statistics with an occupational code. There is no code for a DSP. And so it's 10% of this one and 20% of this job. And it's a mishmash of six or eight different jobs. The Senate committee has just unanimously voted to move forth bipartisan uh, legislation so that the process for getting... uh, direct service professional code so we can actually collect real data about wages. And I think it will make a tremendous difference. Little form, 30 seconds to fill it out, send it off, telling your legislators that this is critical in order to support the most vulnerable people in our community. And you mentioned your Facebook. So where can listeners go to find more information, to get involved and Um, get their tickets or sign up to participate in the auction coming up on October 13th. www.arcofopportunity, all one word, and arc is A-R-C, ofopportunity.org. That's one, and it's same name, the Arc of Opportunity on Facebook as well. We put out an interesting newsletter once a month. There's usually a video and some fun stuff in it. Um, And occasionally we'll send out the legislative alerts as well. 
We'd love to grow that group. And if you're curious about us, come on October 13th. Buy your tickets. If you would love to be a business and we promote you well uh, through a sponsorship, please call us up. So 978-343-6662. And if you've got employment opportunities as well, please contact the Arc of Opportunity. Again, that website. Arc of Opportunity, with Arc being A-R-C, of opportunity.org. And two ways. You have, um, we can be your workforce solution if you have openings. And if you are somebody who wants to make a difference in the lives of people, apply for a job here as well. Mary, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and for informing our audience and our listeners about what the Arc of Opportunity actually does provide and the amount of support that it takes from the community to make sure that we continue to support our most vulnerable. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Kat, Travis, thank you for having me join you. It was great fun. Oh, we certainly appreciate it. And for those listening, we've been chatting with Mary Hafey, the president and CEO of the Arc of Opportunity in North Central Massachusetts. You can find them in downtown Fitchburg at 564 Main Street. We'll be back with another episode next week. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.